Now the 11, oh, I'm reading from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20 this morning. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Next Sunday, we begin a new sermon series called Soul Care, offering real-life help for some of the most painful experiences we face in life. Trauma, grief, and depression, anxiety. We're going to be looking at Scripture to see what Scripture says that will help us and also help us to help others. So I invite you to join us next Sunday for that. Today, we wrap up our current sermon series called Now What? These last two years have been hard, and this year has begun no differently, prompting us when that next headline rolls around to say, Now What? So as we are beginning this year, we decided to begin it with the essentials. What is that on which we can count come heck or high water, no matter what the headlines say? So we began this sermon series. We began our new year on the first Sunday of the year with God and the promises of God that are in Psalm 136. That Psalm 136 says over and over again that God's steadfast love endures forever. We said it over and over in worship. We're going to say it one more time. Will you say it with me? God's steadfast love endures forever. We put it in our calendars, in our phones. We wrote it on pieces of paper and put it on the refrigerator, stuck it on the television, stuck it on the bathroom mirror so that we will not forget no matter what happens this year, that promise of God's steadfast love. And then we said, with that as our foundation, what are the core values that will matter most and be essential come heck or high water this year? And we said that the core values that this church lifted up in 2018 in conversations with over 500 people are still our core values today. Relationship, discipleship, and community. Relationship with God and relationship with others. And we lifted up symbols to help us remember it. For relationships with God and with others, we lifted up a towel to remind us of how Jesus kneels down and washes the feet of his disciples, modeling for us relationships built upon unity and humility and love. And then we lifted up discipleship with a mirror to help us remember, thinking about how we reflect out into the community the love of Jesus Christ. How are we becoming more and more like Christ as disciples and followers of Christ and reflecting that out into the place where we live? And then we lifted up community. And Pastor Jeff brought out seeds last Sunday. 
seeds to help us remember that God calls us to plant God's love in real ways in the communities where we live. How are we letting Christ plant us where we are? And today we put it all together with our mission statement. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today in this time and place for worship. Some of us online, some of us will be worshiping later in the week, some of us gathered here in this sanctuary today. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We raise our hallelujah this day. We look to you for those miracles. And Lord, we look to you for life. We look to you to give us that mission what you would have us carry out as your followers. And may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, in your sight alone. For you are our rock and our redeemer and our savior. And we put our trust in you. And all God's people said, amen. Mission statements give us direction. They give us purpose. They give us a reason for getting up in the morning. When a mission statement is clear, we can see it, lived out, mark it, celebrate it, notice it when it comes to life. Mission statements are popular in businesses and organizations. They give them a drive, a way that a focus, and the way that they will move forward together. When a mission statement is not clear, It's often because a business hasn't really uh, fleshed it out well yet or communicated it well or they're not too clear themselves on what they really want to be about. But when a mission statement is clear and lived out and communicated and focused and resources are aligned to it, we can see it happening and we can celebrate it when we do. We want to play a little game with mission statements this morning and show you one and see if you can guess from the options underneath the mission statement what business or organization it represents. Let's try the first one. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. That's somebody's mission statement. Reebok, Nike, Adidas, what do you think? Nike, oh, you might be right. I think one of the ones that's not right will disappear, and soon the one correct answer will show you're right. That's Nike. Let's try another one. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Who do you think that is? Starbucks? Dunkin'? Tim Hortons? I don't know who they are. (laughs) Who do you think it is? (laughs) Starbucks. (laughs) Yeah, let's try another one. To be Earth's most customer-centric company. What do you think it is? Zappos? Amazon? Oh, one of the ones that's not right will disappear soon. And then that'll leave us two options. What do you think? Yeah, that's the one for Amazon. Well, let's take a slightly different side. And what about this for one of our local organizations? To provide temporary shelter and equip residents for employability, to resolve poverty and obtain housing. What is that? Is that Brisbane or MICA or Goodwill? It's one of those two. It's our Brisbane Center with whom we have a strong partnership to help uh, make a difference in the lives of those who are homeless. How about this next one? 
to inspire and empower all learners to thrive. What is that? Stafford County Schools, Mary Washington, Virginia Department of Education. What do you think? Do y'all want to vote? It's one of those two. It's our own Stafford County Public Schools where we seek to inspire, empower, and excel. Well, how about this last one? To transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect, heal, and bring hope to the world. Who's that? Ebenezer. Yeah, (laughs) that's our own mission statement. And you may wonder on what is our mission statement based. Well, back in 2018, when we named those core values, that's when we wrote that mission statement. And we reaffirm it again at the beginning of this year. Beyond that, it is based as well on one of the longest running mission statements in the history of the world. That started over 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Gail read it for us this morning. It's those last verses of the Gospel of Matthew, which is often called the Great Commission. We lift it up as an ideal mission statement. That mission statement, though, was given in circumstances that were far less than ideal. Context matters when we interpret Scripture and what is the context in which that mission is given. Jesus had been tortured and killed and surprisingly raised from the dead. And when Jesus gives these words, it's in one of his few post-resurrection appearances. What's going on in the lives of the disciples? Remember, context matters. The outspoken leader of the disciples, Peter, has just publicly denied knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times before Jesus was killed. His discipleship has been a struggle all through the Gospel of Matthew, and he's not the only one having a hard time following Jesus. Matthew 26 says all the disciples deserted Jesus and fled before he was killed. And one of them, Judas, betrayed Jesus for money and then took his own life afterwards. I can't imagine what all that has been like for the disciples. No doubt they had all grown very close in their time with Jesus. And I imagine now, sitting there on this mountain in Galilee, their desertion of Jesus Judas's betrayal and suicide have all hit them very hard. And now there are 11 of them when they're used to being 12. They're one down. And they're facing Jesus. Scripture says in verse 17 that some of them are doubting Jesus even in that moment as they are there before him to worship. The disciples are faithful unfaithful, worshiping and doubting, sure and not sure. They're not perfect. And that's been the pattern of discipleship all along in the Gospel of Matthew. They have some faith, little faith, not quite sure faith, not quite sure what to do with Jesus' faith, but Jesus is quite sure what to do with them. 
He does not condemn them or berate them for their questions and their doubts. What Jesus does is give them a mission. He does not scrap these 11 and get 11 others who are far more sure of it all. No, he gives these 11 a mission and loves them and says to them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Let's unpack that mission. Remember, context matters. Jesus is telling ragtag, beloved, not really sure disciples who make mistakes to go make other ragtag, beloved, not really sure disciples who will also make mistakes. And he says, make disciples like this of little faith because little faith matters. Make them of all nations. All nations? What does that mean? The Greek there does not mean sovereign nations as we may have in mind. It really means all people, all people not like you, outsiders, foreigners, those excluded, those you think are outside the faith, all the Gentiles, it says, and beyond. And then Jesus adds, baptize them while you're at it, marking them in my grace and forgiveness, welcoming them into the faith community and teaching them what I have commanded you. So then we have to go back in Matthew to see what has Jesus commanded them in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 22, Jesus said the two most important commandments of all are to love God with your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says all of the laws and prophets are built around those two. The Great Commission is an overwhelming, impossible mission statement given to 11 people who weren't really sure about Jesus. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I wonder, as they heard Jesus give them this mission, if they uh, had to swallow a few times. I wonder how wide their eyes were when they heard it. I wonder if some of them considered fleeing or deserting Jesus yet again. And then he adds that last line. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And now you see that impossible mission is made possible because of Christ's steadfast love and presence. The mission was not then, nor is it now ever based on what they or we alone can do, or whether they or we have questions or not. The mission, when we hear it, sounds and is impossible. And Reverend Dr. Thomas Long says that's kind of the point, because it throws us upon the strength and mercy of God and not our own. Because the object of faith is not about us. The object of faith is always God made real in Jesus Christ. And the mission is always rooted first and foremost in Christ and Christ's presence and strength alone. A good mission statement 
is one that we can see lived out. And we can celebrate the evidence of it when we see it coming to life. How do we see evidence of the Great Commission? You and I are here. Ebenezer United Methodist Church is here for one. From 11 not really sure guys over 2,000 years ago to today? That's incredible. Every church, every denomination is a branch off of that great commission. Those 11 not really sure guys over 2,000 years ago and what it's based on person to person to person to person is the strength and mercy and guidance and love and forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for that. All of us have inherited the great commission and put it into our own context and our own words. What is our current context? Context matters. We're not living in ideal circumstances either, perhaps you've noticed. We know that all too well, don't we? And get tired of hearing about it. The ground these last couple of years keeps shifting under our feet. Our capacity for resiliency is stretched and stretched again. We're tired, many of us, a little grumpy too. What becomes new normal is not normal for long. Two years and counting in this pandemic. Schools struggling, hospitals struggling, mental health needs rising. And politics and the media have created this divisive, polarized culture that seems to benefit only politicians and the media and not us. And if we have questions and doubts, Matthew's Gospel says, we're in good company. If we're not really sure what's going on, we're in good company. If we're having a hard time, Matthew's Gospel says we're in good company. If things feel less than ideal, Matthew's Gospel says we're in good company. If there are times when we feel like running away, Matthew's Gospel says we're in good company. And Matthew's Gospel says that Jesus says, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's what keeps us going. How do we at Ebenezer put the Great Commission into our own words? Well, there it is. To transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect, heal, and bring hope to the world. If it's a clear mission, we will see evidence of it. We'll celebrate when we see it. How do we see our mission in action? I heard two stories this week. I'm going to share them with you. One, we received a message on Facebook from a person uh, who was very cold in their home. They had a wood stove, but they'd run out of firewood and wondered if we could help their family. And so the head of our United Methodist Men, Bob Skews, contacted one of our partner ministries, which is called Compassion Restoration Woodcutting Ministry, and they delivered a half cord of wood to that family's house. A game changer on a bitterly cold weekend. Our men continue to work with that ministry even now. 
The second story comes from an email I received from someone who told me she wanted to reach out and thank the people of Ebenezer. She said that her family had been sent here with her husband's military career several years ago. And when they got here, they had a two-year-old daughter, and then they had two more girls after that. And she said it was a sweet and busy time in our lives, but we were looking for a church home. And someone told us about Ebenezer, and we came. And when we got there, we were looking for a faith foundation for our family. And at Ebenezer, God gave it to us. They helped with our children. They helped us with parenting. We got involved in small groups and Bible studies and worship and missions. And because of Ebenezer, it was the first time our family really started to come together and grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. And she said that she and her husband credit Ebenezer as the first church that was theirs as a family. Now she said, I'm wrapping up seminary and preparing to be a United Methodist pastor for the first time. She said God used Ebenezer as a foundational part of their journey and helped them grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And she wanted to let us know and say thank you. Thanks be to God for that. Those two stories are just the tip of the iceberg. There are more stories to tell and more stories that God is writing in, with, and through each of us and through our church. And you'll find more information about all of that in our digital bulletin where you'll see something called Focus 2025 which is our short and long-range vision that we got started back in 2018. We're in the process still of revamping it. We shared more about it at the State of the Church last Sunday, and we'll have those videos available for viewing soon and share them with you, where you can find out more about how we seek to transform lives through Jesus Christ, how we seek to connect folks with God and others and bring healing and hope into people's lives through things like Stafford Hope, through a strong partnership with our local schools, through a strong partnership with Helping Children Worldwide in Sierra Leone, through our young adult ministries, through our Love Your Neighbor network, which is providing worshiping opportunities out beyond the four walls of the church and helping to meet people right where they already do life. We're continuing to revise that and work on it, and we'll share more and more because, as you know, our culture's a bit of a moving target right now. And we'll share more with you in days to come. There's one more thing to unpack about that great commission. Translations will often read, Go make disciples, as if it is an imperative. But the Greek there actually means as you go. Interesting. That means for Jesus, it's meant to be for us a way of life. Not simply a go and make disciples and then come back, but it's as you go, as you live, as you move, as you breathe, as you are with your kids at home, as you were with your grandkids, as you're with people at work, as you're with people out in your neighborhoods, as you're with people in your community, as you're at church. Make disciples of Jesus Christ and let Christ transform lives as we bring connection and hope and healing to the lives of others right where we live. It might sound impossible. In fact, it's supposed to. 
because that throws us upon the strength and mercy and grace of God, for God's strength and guidance for us in it. What are the next steps for you? How will you live out our mission statement? How can we do that together? Let us pray that God will light that each next new step for every one of us. Gives us a reason to get up in the morning. To live out our faith right where we live and work and go to school. This is our mission. Let us live it out by the grace of God together. Amen. Amen.